Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. This is the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast, episode number sixteen. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Casey, one of the cool things that I've found about Google that sometimes people don't always realize is that they have little hidden surprises just kind of stashed all over Google and little random places. Do you know these these Easter eggs that I'm talking about? Yes, the Easter eggs are a lot of fun. One place that I've started sort of uncovering some of these is on Google Earth. You know how we've got this new version of Google Earth. And so some of the things that that I've found just through a simple Google search are that if you if you go to a specific place in Google Earth in Egypt, there's this strange, they call it like a mysterious pattern. It's kind of like a swirl or or something like that that just randomly formed in the in the sand out there in Egypt. And then and another place if you go go down into Tanzania the the satellite just happened to capture a picture of a massive herd of water buffalo in Tanzania. I mean, I guess there are going to be these little um, coincidences that pop up whenever you take pictures from satellite. But I just I just thought that was kind of cool. You know that that there are all of these these random strange things that you can track down in Google Earth. The first one, what's what's it, the mysterious pattern? Very much looks akin to some of the cornfield patterns that oh the crop circles yeah, yeah 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 it looks very much like a crop circle in ter- yeah. in in Egypt except I don't think it's a crop it's like in the desert or something right <laughs> it's like a sand spiral instead of a crop yeah, circle it looks like something I made at a fair one time <laughs> right. exactly yeah so they're all over Google Earth and you can find a lot of these things in the new Google Earth which I think we happen to have some information about today right welcome to episode 16 of the Google Teacher Tribe we are super excited of course to share some great ideas and tips with you today so we are going to tour the world with the new Google Earth. We mentioned this in our update section a couple of episodes back, and so we have taken a deeper dive, and we're excited to share with you what we have found. Of course, we have a couple of news and updates from Google, as always, some fabulous feedback from our listeners, and a couple of new resources from our blogs to share. Yeah, let's get going. All right, let's do it. 
So in our news and updates today, we're going to touch real quick on the new Google Sites. And it's been interesting to see how Google has continuously evolved this new product. And they keep adding in sometimes big features, but then sometimes little features. And my guess is with this one that there's going to be somebody listening to this that is going to jump up and down and shout for joy because they've been begging for this one little thing. And it has to do with photos within Google Sites. And so in this uh, blog post, which we have linked in the show notes, Google basically you know, admits the fact that we know that you guys sometimes need to do captions under photos. You know, if you've got a headshot of somebody and you want to just put their name under that picture and you're going, geez, there's no easy way to be able to do this. Well, guess what? Google Sites now has this option that they call vertical groups where you can take a picture and then you can drag a little text box down under the picture so that it becomes your photo caption. So just one of those nice, neat little tweaks that they've made to the to the product to make it a little bit easier for all of us. Yeah, I think it's hilarious that the gif they have on that that post is Eric Schmidt. So there, you can watch uh, them add his name below his picture as if over uh, and over and yeah, over and yeah. over and over as if as if we didn't know who the big guru was himself. Uh, mm-hmm. I also found something pretty interesting on the Google VR blog, and so of course Google has a hand in, in many different projects that have to do with virtual reality. But this one is from within. Is what it's called. The company is called Within. And so what you can do using just your browser in Chrome is you can actually watch some virtual reality stories. And so even though these are not designed for the classroom, this is not an educational blog post. I love the idea of where this is going to take us in terms right. of virtual reality, because um, you can even see there's a there's several links in here to different uh, stories that you can watch and you can watch it on a desktop. I've, I've brought it up on my desktop. It just kind of gives you that, you know, the little, Hey, you're not using a VR headset, but that's okay. So I can jump into a Mr. Robot episode and yes. watch that in virtual reality. Yes. Geeks unite. Yes. Right. So it, it's pretty, pretty awesome. The possibilities that this is bringing. So not only exploring like through expeditions and things like that, but we can now bring stories to life. And of course, we're already seeing lots of trends with virtual reality in movies and TVs and things like that. And it just kind of blows my mind that it, it, that's going to become a norm that we're going to start, mm-hmm. you know, taking in and consuming content in virtual reality in many more places. So if you're interested, of course, the link is in the show notes, googleteachertribe.com slash 16. Well, let's dig into the new Google Earth. I think there are some really exciting new features that we can access. Now, keep in mind the old Google Earth is still operational. There are still features inside the old version we don't yet have in the new version. So um, there's still a little bit of that transfer process. But for me, the new Google Earth has a lot to offer. What do you think, Matt? Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. First of all, it's gorgeous. Second of all, it's so easy to pull up on uh, just in a web browser. And I mean, I've been doing a lot of looking at satellite imagery and uh, the street view through the web browser just in maps. But now we've got this whole other experience. And I love how you can basically... I think probably one of my favorite things about this, this was, this was the one when I first started looking at it, this one got the immediate, ooh, 
out of me is that you can zoom down into a location. This doesn't work with everything on, on the new Google Earth, but this is one of my favorite features that you can zoom down into a location. And if you click the 3D button, all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm looking right now on my computer at downtown Chicago. And so I hit the 3D button and now it basically looks like I'm circling around downtown Chicago in a helicopter. <laughs> and the Sears Tower just went by. I know from its two little spires that, that that's what that was, I think. And so, um, you can, I mean, really get a whole new perspective on what a place looks like by by looking at it in this way. So I think that's probably one of the, the immediate things that got me excited about this. Yes, and that's a great way to flatten the walls of our classrooms and, right. and take take students on adventures to uh, learn about different places across the globe and to experience things in a in a new view. So that three D view is is pretty exciting. It's not as exciting when you're out on the plains somewhere, but <laughs> uh, when you go to a downtown or maybe in the mountains and things like that, you can find some some really cool options. I think with that three D feature, and um, I. I love the fact that they're now giving you these little information cards as yeah. you explore. So it's no longer just sort of clicking around and moving. They're actually trying to give you additional information right there at your fingertips. So it's it's all integrated now into into the program. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that we got to see a little bit on the um the Street View Treks. Where, you know, you've got the ones where they use the, the panoramic camera to take you like up a rock face or out into the jungle or wherever. And one of the things I love about those is that you have these little clickable hotspots that give you more information. And now this is already cooked right into Google Earth and these cards are everywhere. I mean, I'm looking, of course, Chicago is a big city. This is the one that I'm still on on my computer right now. But when I click on this card, it's already got a little paragraph about just about Chicago with some of the important information like the population. It's got the area code and then some points of interest that you can jump to and go look at those cards. And so basically, it's almost like it's taking the basic information that you would need out of a Google search and just sticking it right there, integrating it right into Google Earth, which means that it takes less clicks which in turn makes us more efficient, which makes us use our time, hopefully more wisely, and just gives us that information at our fingertips. So, and I see, you know, we just talked about virtual reality a little bit ago. Um, you know, I can see more and more of all of this integrated, having everything all together. I know I can just see with Google Earth and virtual reality and all of that, this immersive experience where everything is right there available to you. And I, I tell you, if that's the way that some of these uh, products we can use in education are going, I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yes. And the fact that this is now web-based. So right. that opens all kinds of doors. Not not only that that's easier and it doesn't require a download, but it opens up the door for Chromebooks, which mm -hmm. has been sort of a huge hang up in, in terms of using these things to say, oh, yeah, Google has this great product. Oh, yeah, you can't do this on a Chromebook. What? That didn't make a lot mm -hmm. of sense. But we knew that they were working on something better. And that's exactly what we're getting right here. And in fact, I am really loving some of these Voyager stories that are built yeah. into the program. So to me, this is a lot like um, Lit Trips and the um, Story Builder, but the stories are already built for you. Yeah. And so right now I am reading the ABCs from space. 
And (laughs) so, you know, of course, it's the satellite view. But the idea is sort of at the beginning, it tells you uh, pretending you're an astronaut, you're an astronaut at the space station or you're, you know, orbiting the Earth and to find letters in the um, the terrain across the globe. And so I'm looking at the letter Y right now in Nim. uh, Now, let's see if I can say it. Namibia. Hey, I think that was it. That's <laughs> somebody who doesn't teach world geography. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, there's so I can. I mean, I can jump to any letter in the story. So now I am looking at the letter Q in India, and for me right now, it looks like this giant crater full of green water. And what it is is this is NASA's Terra satellite. Um, image of the Lonar Crater in India. I didn't know this existed, but it's pretty awesome. Um, It's shocked with quartz minerals, and it it gives it an unusual structure and color there. So, um, of course, learning something new along the way. I love this. I love the new Google Earth. I just looked up the letter M, and it's in, I think, I'll see now I'm going to butcher this one. I think it's in Kyrgyzstan. Oh, yeah. It's one of the stands. You nailed nailed it. There you go. Yes, yes. Yeah. And another one that that came to mind for me, this is just a real simple one, but I always used to say and still do say about Google Maps Street View. That's that's probably one of my absolute favorite Google tools out there is Google Maps Street View, because it lets you feel like you're right down there on the street and all these places all over the world. And I've always said that if you're going to show students a place on the map, or if you were going to show them a photograph of a place in the world, then you might as well use Google Maps Street View. And now I'm thinking we can add Google Earth into that also. And so if we if we keep talk come back to this this idea of being able to see a place in 3D, there is one little trick that that I found that is really nice. And so once you click that 3D button within um, Google Earth. What you can do is you can hold down the shift key and then click and drag. And when you do that, it lets you see it from a different perspective. So you can go kind of like closer to the ground or you can go up above and get kind of a bird's eye view. And so that lets you look at it from a whole a whole different perspective. And so I think if you're if you're doing literature, if your story is set in a certain location in the world, then why not go check it out? Uh, geography, history. I mean, this is, this is all just no brainer stuff there for me as a, as a Spanish teacher. I mean, all of the cultural and geographical things that, that come with that, I think that totally fits together. And I could even see this being used in science for physical science, being able to show students the places in the world and, and what they look like. And then even for math, of course, you've got, you know, distance and you've got, rate of travel and you've got you know geography or geometry oh gosh i almost mixed my words up there (laughs) and geometry and this is the spanish teacher trying to talk about math good luck with that so i i can really see curricular connections all over the place with this Yes. And you know what? I also love the fact that we're now seeing the line sort of blurred between the different tools because Google Maps and Street View used to be very separate types of tools. And now it's it's all integrated and it's beautiful and we can access it from several different apps on different devices. And, you know, we can now even import Google My Maps into the new Google Earth. So, you know, that's going to allow you to create some things for the classroom as well. 
Oh, wow. I didn't realize. And my maps is one of those, I think, underappreciated tools where you can create your own custom map and drop pins on it and add information and photos and everything. And if you can put it together with this sort of immersive 3D experience, I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with that, really. Now, one other thing that makes this a really powerful tool for the classroom is that like with a lot of the the tools that Google offers for the classroom, there is a great page of resources just for education. And so just kind of scanning over this, it's showing how we can explore the Earth's terrain in 3D. You've got panoramic views of world wonders. It says from the ground to clouds to space. So you've got all of these different all these different kind of like activities or different things that you can do within Google Earth. And it gives you suggestions of how to use them in the classroom. It even tells you how you can take map data from a KML file. That's basically just a file that that plots kind of like the latitude and the longitude and where things are on a map and then how you can pull that into Google Earth. So lots of cool things that that will integrate into the classroom and Google's put them all together into this one into this one page. And of course you can find that in our show notes also. Yes. And we also have all of the Google earth social media accounts linked in the show notes for you as well. So you can sort of follow the Google earth community. And so they have a Google plus account, a YouTube account, Facebook account, Twitter account, and their own Google earth blog. And of course, all of this is linked in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 16. Yeah. So to kind of wrap all of this up, I think this is, this is of course, a, a gorgeous tool that we can use in the classroom. And it just, it just kind of goes to show you all of the, all the different stuff that we can, we can now do. And like you said earlier, the ways that we can break down the four walls of our classroom and really get kids immersively into places that they never get to visit otherwise. So Matt and I would also like to mention that we have added some additional resources to our show notes page, in addition to the ones that we've already mentioned, but we've got some blog posts from Eric Kurtz, who talks about how to use Google Earth Lit Trips on Chromebooks. Uh, Ben Friesen from the EdTech team has a great new Google Earth resource page. And we've also got a great little EdTech team infographic that is linked there all about the new Google Earth updates and a few other little golden treasures that are residing in the show notes for you. So go check those out. All right. So, Casey, we've got some good news and some bad news to kick off our mailbag. A member from our Google Teacher Tribe, she's Holly Messner, a fifth grade teacher from Kansas City. She, her good news is that she tried something that she heard about on the show, but then it didn't go quite as planned. So here's what Holly says. She said a couple weeks ago, we were talking about embedding YouTube videos in Google Slides. And so she was interested in being able to save videos off of YouTube, which fair warning is not totally up to to par with uh, YouTube's terms of use, but (laughs) people do it every day. So she used the KeepVid website, which lets you download those. Again, not not okay with the, the terms of use, but like I said, everybody, people do use it. Anyway, she saves those. She um, saves them into her Google Drive so she can stick them in a slideshow, shares the slides with her students, and then it all went wrong because 
each kid basically had to request access to watch the videos. So she had saved all of these videos. And then as the students were pulling them up, they had to request access. And so basically it all went to chaos after that. And so her big, at the end of it, she says, major lesson fail. What did I do wrong? So Casey, what do you think happened? (laughs) So Holly, I I bet you you already know this, but because we can now embed other types of video inside Google Slides, which is a great feature, but we have to remember to share those as well in some type of format, viewable or whatever, to our students so that they can see it. So when you embed the video in Google Slides, it's really just linking. It's an embed. It's not going to actually add that file inside there. So even when you go through Classroom and make it part of an assignment, Classroom isn't going to override that that embed code over the video itself. So just have to remember to go into Drive when you upload that and make it viewable for your students. And then you should be able to avoid. So it is an extra step. It's it's one more thing to remember, but that's a really good reminder. So if you haven't tried this yet and you're uploading your own videos into Google Drive and you want to put those into a Google Slide Deck, just don't forget to share those as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an important one. And I think a lot of us have stories of where our sharing settings didn't totally work out. And since we're talking about sharing settings, I found out about this interesting Chrome extension um, just recently. Uh, it was developed by Alice Keeler. You can find her at alicekeeler.com. And she she had this Chrome extension created called just called Anyone Can View. And I tried this on videos, hoping that this might be a solution to Holly's problem, but it doesn't work on videos. But it will work on docs, slides, sheets, drawings, uh, you know, just all sorts of other Google files. And basically, if you have this Chrome extension running in your Google Chrome browser, if you open up, let's say, a Word document and you want to make it anyone with the link can view, which is one of my favorite sharing settings, all you have to do is just click that Chrome extension and it automatically turns it to anyone can view. So for me, that's saving me maybe three or four clicks just by having that open. And so if you do that on a semi-regular basis, then that's something that can can save you time in the end. Gotta love Alice. I wonder if we can make it oh, yeah. through one episode without talking about Alice. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Alice. Thank yes. you. <laughs> So, Matt, we have another question from a member, a very active member of our Google Teacher Tribe, Craig Clement, who has um, shared with us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the Google Teacher Tribe website. Take it away, Craig. Hey, Matt and Casey. Craig Clement here from Garland, Texas. Um, my district just recently went one-to-one with iPads, and I did a training on Google Slides um, and using it as a collaborative activity. And the teachers have loved it. I've had a lot of teachers on my campus that have utilized that activity. Um, but the main downfall that we're seeing is that the Google Slides app does not let you insert videos. It only lets you insert images. So I wanted to know if y'all had a workaround on inserting videos on, into Google Slides from the iPad. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Craig, for your question. And so, yeah, you're right. Basically, if you've got the Google Slides app for the iPad, surprise, surprise, that is just like Craig said, you can't add a video either from Google Drive or YouTube or any place. It can't embed those into the slides. And so aside from basically just jumping onto a Chromebook or a laptop or a desktop computer, aside from doing that, 
There's one sort of, I'm going to call it an inelegant hack. <laughs> Not elegant, inelegant. A um, Band-Aid. <laughs> a Band-Aid, yeah, exactly. So if all you have access to is iPads, here's sort of a, a way to get around that. If I were doing it, what I might do is pull up that YouTube video and just take a screenshot of it. Of course, if you've got an iPad, you can click the home button and the power button and hold them down together. And it'll take a screenshot of the screen. And I would just stick that picture onto the slide. And then whenever you click on that picture, just hit the, the link button and put a link to the video. And so basically that what that means is whenever somebody clicks on that video, it's going to swap them over to YouTube, either on the app or in, in a browser where they can watch the video. And so it's not as good as having the video embedded onto the slide, but it is one way to get around it. And of course, you could just make a regular text link too, but that's not as much fun. Yes. And actually, you know, that's what I do when I have videos that are not on YouTube that I need to link to. I sort of give that fake little screenshot and just link it over to Vimeo or wherever that other video happens to reside. So I, I sometimes that that comes in handy. But I have high hopes that Google will give us an update for iOS that will allow us to do that. Can you do this in the Android app? Hmm. That's a good question. Sorry, I put you on I the spot, but I didn't. I didn't know because I don't have an Android device. Ah, uh, here while we're at an awkward pause, real yeah. quick. Yeah, awkward silence. Yeah, I'm going to pull up my slides app on my phone. We're gonna try it. Okay, uh, the answer is no. Okay on on mobile so it's a mobile issue right. in in general right. um, but again you know google usually listens to some of the demands of our mobile users so hopefully we will see that feature coming soon the google teacher drive podcast is a proud member of the education podcast network the education podcast network podcasts for educators podcasts by educators for more great education podcasts go to edupodcastnetwork.com. So for our On the Blogs feature today, I've got one that I wanted to tell you about from my blog today. I wrote a post called Writing Papers and Research Reports the Google Way. Now, since we had... Google Keep joined the family, the, the G Suite family, and became an official tool in, in G Suite that now we can use in education. And since they added the integration where when you're in Google Docs, you can pull your notes in from Google Keep, it started me to think that this would be a really, really good thing to do when it comes to writing papers and research reports. So I know those are still a big staple in the classroom. A lot of people still do them. And if we're looking for ways to do that in a more efficient and effective way, then I'm seeing some some really obvious ways that Google can help with that. So I basically came up with 10 steps. Uh, you could think of it kind of like a workflow of ways that you can incorporate Google tools into the research and writing process to come up with a final product. And so that's that's what I had on the blog this week. 
uh, can I say amen, brother, as a language yeah. arts teacher? Yes. Loved the post, Matt. And, you know, I love in- integrating these tools. Now, there are some old school thinkers out there who really think that we still have to do research the really, really hard way. And mm-hmm. that's OK. Maybe maybe that's what you need. But I know coming, especially from a middle school background, that these tools give me so many more options to get my kids to give credit to someone else, <laughs> Let mm-hmm. alone, you know, like just the citation tool alone, like trying to get sixth graders to understand that, hey, you didn't write that sentence. Somebody else did and you need to give them credit. So right. I, I, you know, I think I think we have to take into account all of the different subject areas and all of the different types of research, because almost Anything we do now requires some some type of research. And so I think using these tools in a productive way and helping kids understand the research process, that that's just a really important part. And can I also just say that I loved how you use the family analogy with Google oh. Keep? Because let me tell you what I have pictured in my head was the little Google Keep logo. And it's like the little baby sister with this sweet little <laughs> face on the, the Google Keep icon. That's what I pictured. I'm just saying I've got the whole animation of the G Suite family. I may oh have to work goodness. on that. Like that. That may be a project of mine. So I love that. I would that. love to see that. Yes. <laughs> That that's fun. So great post, Matt. Thank you, thank you. So what have you got for us? So I just posted 20 new ways to use Google Classroom. And this is also sort of infographic style, but in the blog post I went into deep detail on all 20 different ways. So with the new features that we have, the ability to create and join classes outside of G Suite, this totally opens doors for some new ways and so how we can expand our use of Google Classroom. So I'm not going to read all 20 to you. However, um, after school programs is really, I think, getting a lot of traction with ways that we can use that. We can use this for new teacher training. We can use this for parent information. We can use this to flip our faculty meetings. We can use this for all different types of online learning and, and things like that. So I just, I really felt passionate about sharing some of these ideas. And so my list just kept growing and growing and growing. Right. But I know there are more too. So take a look and please leave me a comment if you have another great idea because I I would love to help spread this around on the new ways that we can use Google Classroom. Yeah, and I think two of my favorites as I go through this list, the first one easily has to be replace or supplement meetings because I think of all of the meetings that I have sat through in my life in schools, I mean, at church and other places, and so many of these meetings could be totally eliminated by doing a little bit of online collaboration and some information sharing online. And so I think that's huge. And then, of course, the parent side, I think, is is really, really good, too, because so often we've had our class website and it's static and it's like whatever the parent comes and sees on the site is all that they get. And so now this really allows us to have a, a, a good dynamic communication channel that, that we can use with parents. So I love, love, love this post and, and all of these ideas. 
Thank you. Thank you. So I, I think this will give us some new opportunities for our summer learning as well. And I know you and I are both excited to see the ways that we can use classroom more organically as sort of the outsider right. when we come in to do workshops and things like that. So I think yes. it's it's going to open a lot of doors. Now, the one thing that and I did put a little blip in the post about it is um, it's going to work differently for everybody because the settings can be controlled by your G Suite domain. So they may not allow you to join or create um, with yours and let other people in. So I just want to point that out that that um, so there's a link in there to the domain settings and you may this may involve some decision makers at your schools um, sort of deciding how that's going to work. So just wanted to give you a little heads up about that. It's not cut and dry just yet. So. Right, right. So so that's big. And then that's not the only big news that you've got for us today, right? Oh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> just one quick reminder that um, the countdown has begun. Uh, the VIP Become a Google Certified Trainer course that I offer will close at midnight on May 21st. So uh, so be sure to catch that. I, um, at the time of this recording, I will be doing a webinar today, but that will be available on YouTube for you to watch later. So um, if you're curious about the process of becoming a Google Certified trainer. I've got tons of free resources, even if you're not interested in the course and you just want to learn, hey, what's this all about? Is this right for me? Um, so you can go check that out as well. But um, don't let the time pass you by. It, it will end on May 21st. Yeah, there's so many good free, just like you said, free resources, whether you're interested in in becoming a Google certified trainer, if you're just kind of interested in, in like you said, the process, um, just go check out the the videos and all the stuff that Casey's got there that that's for free. So um, yeah, definitely that's something to check. So if you're interested in learning more about the course, go to becomeagoogletrainer.com. And as always, Matt and I, thank you for being a part of the Google Teacher Tribe. We hope you have all learned some new skills in Google Earth and that you are ready to dive in. Um, maybe not on the road if you're listening while you're on the road. But uh, yeah, we are getting some interesting tweets about when and where people listen to the podcast and keep sharing. Don't forget to use the hashtag and to connect with us online. And we will catch you in episode 17. That's right. 17. We'll see you then, folks. All right. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. So, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to, I thought I you said you wanted me to respond to the question. Yes, I know. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I messed that one up. Or I'm do you want me the- to start and give it an intro and then you read the question? Um, sure. Yeah. Because, okay. cause, um, no, wait, you started the Google Earth thing. So, yeah, I'll start this and read the question. Sheesh. I'm going to okay. be the one in the blooper reel this time. <laughs> That's okay. We'll just play the silence. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay, here we go. Now that we're done patting each other's backs. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. You're the bee's knees. Yeah, and the cat's pajamas. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.